Welcome to the Rare Sense Podcast. This is Chris Irwin. Today I'm speaking with Lillian Chopin, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I would describe Lillian as a stress reduction coach. She works with people to reduce the symptoms of chronic illness via various non-invasive forms of nervous system downregulation. She also has a master's in biology and combined with her success helping others, founded Hope Shortcut, an online course that allows people to go through her methods independently. Additionally, she publishes content on her own Substack. I was introduced to Lillian through Gary Sharp, another Substack author. Together, they are working to address the effects of Parkinson's disease on him. During our conversation, we discuss instincts and how they relate to chronic illness, the mind-body connection, negative messaging and how it impacts you, instilling hope, block therapy and fascial decompression, stored memories, and other topics. Lillian is from Denmark, and English is not her first language, so please be patient while listening. She has a wealth of knowledge. Besides, most of us can barely speak our native tongue, never mind one from another country. Lastly, remember that Rare Sense content is not medical advice, nor does it represent the official position or opinions of any other organization or person. If you require diagnosis or treatment for a mental or physical issue or illness, please seek it from a licensed professional. Now, without further ado, here's Lillian Chopin. Lillian, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Uh, And so where are you calling from or where are you dialing in from today? I am uh, living in Denmark, 30 kilometers north for Copenhagen. And uh, Denmark is a small country between Germany and Sweden. Yeah, I know I know where it is. I've been there before. So okay. Least, so a couple Amazing. times, actually. Yeah, I went as a kid. Um, we actually went to a soccer tournament there when I was probably 14 or 15, something like that. Uh, we went over to Sweden and Denmark and for a couple of weeks, I think, and played in some tournaments over there and had a great time in, in Copenhagen too. And then when was, I'm trying to think of when the next time I went there was probably, I lived in Germany for three years as an adult. Okay. And so I, I'm sure we visited at some point, but, um, okay. Well, um, I guess start off with a little bit of background and I'm trying to actually remember exactly how I got connected to you. It's through Gary Sharp. Yeah. And Gary is somebody who I've never met, but he writes a Substack um about his um I guess it's it's a lot of kind of using your mind and your nervous system to overcome chronic illness in various ways. And he's somebody who has Parkinson's disease. Yeah. Um, and he has had a lot of success working with you. And so you've started your own Substack, and you've got videos out there and you've got a program that's all kind of geared towards this. And I'm interested in it because it's very much in line with a lot of the stuff I talk about, but I think this sort of, this idea of your nervous system being so central to these conditions, some of these conditions too, that we think are incurable or potentially, you know, they're, they're just degenerative and you're never going to get any better. I think you are potentially shedding some light onto the fact that that might not be true in certain cases. And that's really interesting. Um, and you guys are also the ones who introduced me to block therapy, which 
I've, I haven't spoken about, I don't think on this, on my own podcast yet, but I've spoken about it on other was that I've been, that I was interviewed on. And I really like that. That's a new therapy for me that I'm really enjoying. So anyway, start off with just kind of your background and what brought you to what you're doing now. Yeah, I have a background as a, with a master in biology and um, some years ago, I got a coach education and uh, a therapy education. And um, one of the teachers told about a man with sclerosis that has helped himself from living in a wheelchair and up walking again with one of the technique that he teaches. And it, I became so curious that I made my small uh, a small experience myself that I found uh, four people with each uh, chronic illness and they gave them five long sessions each. And at that time I was a new coach and therapist. So it was just finding out where was my skills and uh, how could I help these people. And I became pretty amazed that, uh, of course, I couldn't cure them or anything in, in five sessions. But we sort of, by picking small issues, we could help with that. Um, so one move, a guy with sclerosis helped him with one movement that he could do better. And the man with uh, Parkinson that he could settle down his tremors. And um, there was a war veteran with severe PTSD and a woman with burning mouth syndrome. Um, and burning mouth syndrome. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you have eaten uh, two boxes with chips and you are having uh, a, a pain um, because the acidity from the stomach is coming yeah, up, yeah. They, have, they have it uh, all, all day long, this. Um, and oh, wow. Okay. No one can can um, pinpoint what's going on. There's nothing going on, but it's really real for these people. Uh, and they can be living with this for years and years, mm -hmm. the rest of their life. So it's also a condition where science has no clue about what to help them. And um, then... I, for example, the, the man with Parkinson, I, he had a very persistent tremor, and I could always settle that tremor down to nothing for minutes or maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. And we did it over and over. He had this tremor, and I could settle it down. And it came back, and I could settle it down. And then I start thinking, using my skills as a biologist, what was going on here? Because I knew with um, I, I'm certified as you can call it a stress coach. So what I can do is to help people out of stress, 
And then I sort of start thinking this must be more stress-related, all these things. Um, and I could help all these four people more or less. Um, and then the guy with Parkinson was living close to me and had um, more time than the rest of the guys. So um, I just continued with him and found out all this. And, and um, in the bigger picture, I think that uh, I think you're on board with that, that we have for a hundred years thought about us having a mind and a body. Right. But if you glue this together and say um, mind and body is 100% interacting, yep. then you can start helping these people. So a physical symptom is not existing without you having a mental right. emotion, feeling, sensation, whatever. So um, that was one conclusion I came uh, at. And the other is, I don't know if it's going too fast, but the other is that we are mammal, and mammals have instincts. And instincts push you into fight, flight, and freeze. And if you take Parkinson's symptoms and list them, and you take symptoms on fight, flight, and freeze and stress, they mimic nearly one-to-one. Yep, yep. Let me ask you a couple things to start off here. The first is... A lot of these conditions, like you're talking about, whether it's, and I'd, I'd never included something like Parkinson's in this list, but things like chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and maybe potentially PTSD too. To me, to your point, I've always looked at these things as one, the naming convention is just giving a name to a bunch of symptoms. It doesn't really tell us anything about what's the co- what the cause is. So in my estimation, these are largely useless diagnoses because unless a diagnosis tells you why you're experiencing this and therefore can address the root cause and the and a cure, again, you're just giving a name to a bunch of symptoms. So it's, it, you're not learning anything new about this condition. The, the, you know, the medical profession isn't telling you anything you don't already know. Maybe um, you could join. I have a, a way of speech, speaking that um, symptoms, um, symptoms is like when you see, look out at the star, the star don't care of the star constellations. The symptoms don't care about the diagnosis. So it's sort of the same. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's a human. It's us putting things in boxes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. And so what I've always thought, I shouldn't say always, but as my own kind of journey with chronic illness has led me to believe that, okay, I think largely these conditions that we separate, to your point, put into various boxes are basically all the same condition or some variant of it. We've got all these different labels, but 
in terms of their root cause, meaning what the actual problem is, they're they're either exactly the same or really similar to one another. And we should start thinking of it, thinking of them in that way. And that's why, in my experience, certain neural retraining systems, and I don't know if you know of these, I'm sure you probably do, like things like dynamic neural retraining system or Gupta program or reorigin, they address all of these. They work for tons and tons of these conditions because they're all doing the same basic um same basic thing or addressing the same uh, underlying cause. So if that's true, and I think you probably agree with me on that, what is that underlying thing? I have been doing a lot of thinking around this because that's a, can you see my gift, my skills that I'm very good at seeing patterns. So when I start seeing this pattern that I could settle down system symptoms for uh, minutes or maybe even hours, then I knew it was stress. And I looked uh, around the world and saw survivor stories. And I read, cross-read all their, can we call it, recipes on all the things they have done. And reading more and more of these, a, a pattern um came forward mm-hmm. and um it was that they were doing stress reduction in different ways and suddenly it clicked for me that what we see is exactly if you are too stressed you go into fight flight and freeze and we all do it maybe several times a day but if you cannot come out of the stress again if you get stuck for too long your body finally starts to sending out signals that things are not working here right so what um, we today call symptoms i would call signals so our inner inner world is like a dashboard so we have hunger, we have thirst, um, we know when the bladder is full or we, yeah, that we have, I think I've found an article where they told that we have more than 250 different sensors. And when you are in stress too long, these sensors start to fire. Yeah. Because you are not in rest and digest. You are not making cell division and and um, all the goods thing that can that is uh, connected to a corn body, but so when you are um, for too long time in a day, in a week, in months, you are in your instincts. Your body starts to send out these signals that something is wrong and. Then some people get migraine, some people get tinnitus, some people uh, get stomach ache, uh, and some people get tremor, uh, some people get stiffness. But it's in the bigger picture the same, that you spend too much time in your instincts. So I've always understood Parkinson's to be a true neurodegenerative condition where there's some kind of brain degeneration happening. Is that not accurate or are there different 
types of Parkinson's or are there misdiagnoses where something's going on that basically looks like Parkinson's but is not? What's the biology behind that? If you continue the thought you have before yeah. that uh, there's a myriad of symptoms and and science try to fit people into a box. You, I think you need to have 30 people with Parkinson in the room before you can find two that have the same symptoms. Mm, okay. That's interesting because I think most people th- always just think of so- tremors. That's what we, yeah, we but think of somebody like shaking, like Michael J. Fox, that, like, yeah. you know, shaking basically. Yeah. Um, and it's maybe one third of them. They have uh, stiffness. Stiffness is a uh, um, big symptom, but it can be everywhere in the body, as shoulder, a leg, uh, your so, face. So, how is it diagnosed then? If if you can, if a condition can be called the same thing but present in different ways. But it's how- like this with the most of the chronic diseases that. At, that you are not making a test, do you have a, an infection or not? It's not right. like that. It's it's a sum of a lot of um, symptoms, a lot of signs so, that this might be here. Is there any? Are there any kind of biomarkers with Parkinson's disease, like a blood test or something like that, that people take? They have that scan. That's what most people have that can um, scan the brain, but some have a, a positive scan scan and are not declared Parkinson, and some have a negative and, and is declared hmm. with Parkinson. So it's just still just one of several signs. So it's, it's basically the same that a patient come in and, and they do some tests, and if people are not fast enough, uh, for example, they sh- must do a test where they, uh, I don't rotate your hand like this. And if they are slow, that's one sign of Parkinson. But it's it's a, a group of symptoms that make you qualify or not. Okay, interesting. Huh. I guess I always considered that a different thing outside of mystery chronic illnesses, let's call them these things like chronic fatigue syndrome, where again, I always laugh at that diagnosis or even that name. It's because it's not telling you anything. It's, it's someone who says I'm tired all the time and they go, Oh, you have chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. How does that help me? Like, I, I know, I just told you that I'm tired all the time. Right. Um, so what do you do? What's the, with the techniques that you do with people. Number one, I I call my I I started I used all my knowledge as a coach and they have something called modeling. I don't know how known it is, but it is is to study survivors, find out how did they do it. And uh, I have I knew that my therapy and stress reduction could help people, but watching all the different things people uh, did, I realized that there was a lot of different things to do. And again, I sat down, found the pattern, and um, and 
could see the groupings in in what they can do and and that's where it snapped that all these are helping people out of the stressful condition from um, caught in your instincts and getting back to a calm state mm -hmm. okay. and i've made an online course uh, around that because um the most important thing for these guys are that they get hope because right. everyone is telling them that there's nothing to do and they only get worse and worse. Yes. So all the guys that became better, they had the hope that they could come become better because why use money and time in something you don't have faith in that you don't Hope will work. So hope is the most important thing to install. So what I use a lot of time is is to break all the myths around these chronic diseases. Yep. There's so many things you can do. And, and um, actually, there's a ton of studies out there telling why dancing is good, or biking is good, or sure. meditation is good. Or... So um, basically, it will probably be um, whatever you recommend people to do. That will be can also help people with Parkinson. But having the knowledge that I onboard people with is the most important thing. That I give them the hope that they start to understanding that. It's your instincts that's playing around with you. And then they uh, get the energy to move forward. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you on the hope piece. Because like I said, some of the <clears throat> neural retraining systems that I've used, it involves essentially talking to yourself over and over and over again to sort of like break these limbic system loops, patterns that you have. And I think a big piece of that if I'm being honest, is it doesn't, the technique is similar on all these programs. I don't think it matters exactly what you say or exactly what you do. I think to your point, what it's eventually doing is truly making you believe that you can be better. Yeah. And I think that's such a big thing because you start off, it's kind of a fake it till you make it type of scenario. Or as um, we used to say in the military, False mo false motivation is better than no motivation. So, yeah. in at first, you feel like some of these techniques you're doing, you're going through the motions, and you don't actually necessarily buy into it. But the repetition of them, I think, over time, makes it so you actually believe these things. And I think, to your point, it's the flipping the switch to a true belief of recovery that's a big part of actually making it happen but it, it's like i'm i don't know you so well but if you <laughs> meet a, a a girlfriend and like her if you hope that she is the right one for you you could marry her but if you have no doubt that she is not the right one why marry her it's sort of the same we need this hope to take the steps in yeah. in the right direction. 
So l- let me ask you then, if someone's in your office or, or on a Zoom call with you and working with you, and they've got, let's say they've got the tremors, and you're saying this is a maladapted stress response, but, but in the moment they don't, a lot of them probably don't feel stressed. They're not sitting there saying, oh, well, I feel stressed. They're like, I feel perfectly relaxed. So what are you doing with them that's, that's I guess, dipping into some kind of innate stress response that they have that they might not even feel, so to speak, outside of the physical sensations, right? Like, how does that work? And if we take that first, that it's completely true, because if you are in your instincts, fight, flight, and freeze, you are not connected to your body. That's sort of the idea of it. Mm -hmm. So um, if you... Uh, have a day where you are angry or sad, and a tiger is coming to get you, they run after you, you should forget everything. You should forget if you are hungry, if you have had a, a bad day, uh, if you are jealous or whatever, and just run or fight or whatever. Right. So that's sort of the idea that you you do not know you're stressed because if you are stressed or if you have an attention on your body and say to the tiger, please wait, I need to be here. <laughs> it's, it's So you must forget everything what's going on in your body. So a lot of these people are not aware that they are stressed. But mm-hmm. have maybe been stressed for decades, or if they have had a problem in their childhood, they have maybe never tried the calm state in their life. And are you getting them into that through? Is it a visualization? Is it breath work? Is it a combination of those things? What are the? I, what's the... I have a whole toolbox okay. of things. So it depends. Um, but installing the hope. So if it's a person that's very uh, a thoughtful person, I um, show them articles around this. Um, there was a Dane in 2014 that proved that uh, dopamine was not the problem. These people are not in lack of dopamine. Um, so I show them a lot of articles if that's what they need to know. Some people have easier access to the emotion. Then we talk about uh, their lack of hope or despair. And I use some of these techniques to, to, um, to find out what's going on in their body. Um, I have a lot of things dependent on, on this person. So it's my job to find out where, where's your problem. Mm-hmm. Is it, um, and and but the most important thing is not all people and can do it, but a lot of people can do it. And where my way of doing things is different than most is that I go via the symptoms. Where a normal therapist, if a person like that exists. They will ask, uh, how are you feeling or what are your thoughts? I ask to your symptoms, where are your symptoms sitting? 
and then use the symptom, the the inner dashboard as a guide into what's going on. Mm. And so you're saying <clears throat> you've got a whole bunch of different tools in your toolbox and they're they're different per, for the person, the individual. Some something might work on one person but doesn't work on another person, right? Yeah. That's that's my and, feeling as well. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's actually the more people already know that they have already found out themselves that this is stress related, then I can take a, a deeper, uh, take some of the more effectful tools immediately. And if people have lots of doubts, we need to find out what's this doubt about because it's, um, it's uh, stopping them from feeling inwards to, to these symptoms and emotions. So we need mm-hmm. to break the 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 doubt and let them get some hope around all this. Right. Um, have you have you uh, quote unquote cured anybody with one of these conditions that you've gotten them completely over their symptoms? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, it was a Dane. I I only have this guy. I have some that has come a long uh, distance in regard to that. But again, you cannot take a blood sample and say you are right. Of course, sixty percent cured. It's not like that. It's either or, and it's make it's a little difficult. I guess with your own si- situation, uh, you probably can't say that I'm hundred percent back to good health, but Maybe you are, I don't know, 90 or 95. I mean, we cannot measure it. And yeah. because we cannot measure it, it's a little complicated. But um, I have one day that uh, was so lucky that he only had um, one big trauma and some small traumas uh, in his life. And when we have dealt with them, um his tremor stopped, and then again we were lucky that his um, neurologist uh, retired, and he got a new one that thought it was very strange that he had no tremor. So he um, put him to a new death scan, and he is now free of symptoms and free of um, his diagnosis. Wow! But but the doctors. They don't even ask him what he has been doing. <laughs> They're not interested. That's, that it's sounds just, about oh, right. Oh, your last doctor must have made a mistake. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's what happens. So it's very difficult um, because I have some people that got other diagnoses because we have worked so hard with the tremor, with the stiffness. And then they still have some other symptoms left, so they they move sideward, sideways to a new diagnose. Uh, so um, it's it's not very easy to to help people back to uh, perfect health because there's two reasons, and and um, number one is this. 
as I'm pretty sure you know, that it's a lot and lots of stressors during your whole life that sum up mm-hmm. to uh, what's going on. If you have been a, in a war, you know exactly that some of these are related to the war and it makes it not easier to cure, but it makes it easier to pinpoint the time in your life where you got all these things. But the other thing is that if you go in the direction of my thoughts and it's your instincts, you cannot cure your instincts. Mm -hmm. So if you see a dog on a leash where a bigger dog comes, it will start to tremor. Yeah. And it's because it's on the leash, it cannot run, it cannot fight. Right. And then there's the last symptom that you can freeze. And you can all, so we have all seen that in, in uh, animal movies. Um, so you cannot cure, it's like curing hunger. What would happen if you cured your hunger? Mm-hmm. You right. would probably die because why should you eat? Right, right, right. So we need, we need our instincts. We need the ability to build up adrenaline to an extent so we are ready to fight and fly. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, So how do you classify these things then? Do you consider them all mental conditions ultimately? Are they some sort of, like like you're saying? As we said before, it's that's not a thing like mental and physical. Right, right. It's glued together. But I think if you are younger, you can easier feel the mental things. When you get older, the physical things get more visible, like wrinkles. Right. So wrinkles doesn't come randomly. So when you have a wrinkle in between your eyes, it comes from some time like you are in your <laughs> I got I got one. It's come from some time in your past where this wrinkle was needed. Mm-hmm. So um, when we get when you were young, you couldn't see it, but when you are getting older and the fat sort of uh, melts away, you start seeing the wrinkles. They are there because you are probably your whole life have had some tension in your between your eyebrows. Okay, so so that's a good segue into block therapy because this is something you advocate for, Gary does. And feel free to if you want to talk a little bit about your relationship. I don't I've never met Gary. I've read his articles, a lot of his stuff. I'm not sure he's capable of actually doing an interview. I'm not sure. Um but if you want to talk a little a little bit about that relationship because you seem to be working symbiotically in a really good way. Um, And then the whole block therapy thing, because like I said, you guys are the ones who turned me on to that. And it's something that I had not heard of before, which is surprising to me because I've, I've been digging in on this kind of stuff for gosh, seven years. There's a lot of things you haven't heard about. I'm sure that's true. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But, 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 
at some point though, like as a, like when you're in sort of the chronic illness realm, you feel like you've seen everything, like you've been exposed to everything. And then like something will come along and you go, Hmm, never, never heard of that and trying it out. But I really, I've tried a lot of things and I like it a lot. Um, and, um, I find it effective and kind of relax. Anyway, let me shut up. You Talk about yeah. that stuff. I'm not an expert in block therapy because it's um, actually also Gary that introduced it to me. So I've actually never tried it. So it's mm. not me that an expert there, but it sort of uh, fits well into my thoughts. So seven years ago, I found out all this, I read, wrote a book in Danish, but Denmark is a very small country. Uh, so I soon found out that I need to, in order to make a job uh, of this as a specialist in Parkinson's disease, I need to go out and find more people around the world. And some of the first you meet is, for example, Gary Sharp. So I was in his, he has got a, a library, a webpage, I was thinking Parkinson, and a, a library where he share a ton of books and articles. And um, we sort of shared in parallel. And uh, he's a bigger, uh, he's a sort of uh, influencer, and I'm not. So it took me some time to uh, sort of comment on his uh, post before he sort of noticed me. But he could see that I have some uh, ideas that he hadn't uh, thought about or maybe he had felt it. Um, and then after posting uh, a couple of years in parallel, um, one day I sort of... Um, said that I, I'm not in my first language. It's too difficult to uh, for me, this. So, uh, and because we have so similar thoughts around this, me from sort of digging into the literature about this and him from also de doing that, but also uh, because he has Parkinson himself, um, he said that he would help me and he uh, sort of start, can we say, breaking the walls between his group and my group. Uh, so it grew bigger. And um, then after half a year, I asked if I could go and visit him in, in England. And um, I showed, I started making therapy on him and uh, he liked it. And we have continued when I came home via Zoom. So we have continued working with this, uh, his symptoms. And he has been pretty bad because uh, he has been nearly totally stiff for some, I don't know, months. Uh, and now he's um, becoming better and better. But it's small steps. Mm -hmm. But doable so um will we are sort of experimenting um with him as a, a can you get out from this really big um what do you call it 
because he has been very hard on this Parkinson. Uh, the medication is very difficult to step out of, from, but um, we'll hopefully find a way to do that. Okay. And so you you obviously treat people or, or counsel them or whatever you call it in person and via Zoom. And then talk about the course you have on your website, which please give it to people. Um, is that like a do-it-yourself type thing that you sign up for and you and you walk through videos? How does that work? Because um, I saw that there was four general strategies in how people became better. And I start thinking about these patterns I saw. So it's, uh, I call it hope shortcut. Hope because hope is so uh, important to break the old myths around that. And shortcut because I use five years to get all this knowledge. So people can sort of step on my shoulders and get all my right. knowledge in that course. So uh, it is, it is number one, the hope break down the old myth around diseases. It's not only for Parkinson, it's for all diseases that are stress-related, where your symptoms go up and down. Uh, in uh, If you're stressed one day, you have more symptoms. If you're calm one day, you have less symptoms. It's a stress-related disease. And um, the next one is to monitor your symptoms because how do you know that you become 5% better? So a lot of people, they try out biking or meditation for three weeks and say it didn't help. Right. How do you know that when you cannot, ha like a summit, 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 oh, I cannot say, if you cannot measure your temperature, right. yes. you, um, how do you know you become a little better? Right. So that's very important to find out a way that you can sort of nearly measure your own symptoms. So you can do something for a month or two maybe and then check in, did it work or not, or then go to something else. Um, and then it's um, how to interpret, how to go into this idea with this mental and physical. So if something stressful happens, uh, what are your emotions in relation to to that? So again, use your symptoms as a, a door into uh, your mental health, health, you can say. And then it's uh, sh telling people about these four strategies and why they work and how to proceed. And, and then uh, giving people a small push in the end uh, to um, do actually do the work so it's not only um, something they read and then forget about it. So it, it's a self-study course. Okay. And then depending on which strategy people choose, someone um, on board my coaching. But Gary and I, we have started making courses. So we have one courses we've made together. And then he has some courses and I have some courses. So we sell them from the same platform. 
Okay, got it. What is it about, um, so just sort of in general with the block therapy, and I know you haven't done it yourself, but like that idea of fascial decompression, for people that don't know what, what this stuff is, <clears throat> it's, a, it's this block, block therapy that you lie on top of in, in various ways and just compress your fascia around your body. And the idea yeah. is that it's sort of releasing whether it's toxins, strain, just kind of be opening up pathways so that it's oxygen oxygenated and better blood flow um, and potentially kind of repressed emotions, thoughts, feelings as well. Right. Is that the, the basic that's, idea? That's there? my keyword, the last one, um, because digging into this idea about our instincts, I call our instincts our superpowers because it's why we are sitting here today, because we are the survivors. We might be uh, nervous or anxious, but we are the survivors. Mm hmm. <laughs> right and and uh, to help with us with that to take very fast decisions we have in our whole body memory cells it's not only in the gut it's your whole body we have memory cells and these help us to remember old situations can you, sorry, just hang on that point for a second. So is there, is that a biological fact that there are? You can uh, find, you can find studies around it. That's not a lot, but the, the last 10 years, there's a few studies around this. And, and um, I'm not digging into the nerve things because I think you can solve it, not by digging into your brain, but you can solve it by taking the bigger overview with the mammals and instincts, then you can solve these mysteries instead. So um, I use, you know, a trauma is when something big happened, death, accident, bumps, uh, whatever, we call it a trauma. But if it's smaller things, I call it a body memory. It's still a trauma, but something small so your friends wouldn't say no that's not a trauma but it still affects you a girlfriend that uh, left you without a warning uh, um, someone bullying you in school uh, you are a strict father telling you that you're not allowed to write on the walls or whatever you it have small impacts and these are sitting around in our body to to take an example you might understand if a woman has been raped and a man has hold her uh, on her arms so she couldn't escape she will probably have a tendency that no one can touch her there because then these memory cells will start saying, now it's happening again. Mm -hmm. So she will have um, a lot of memory cells in the skin. So if people come too close or touch them there, the whole trauma is firing up. But we have them around the bodies. So we know it if you have been in exams when you were younger, 
we get butterflies in the stomach. And it is these nerve cells, these memory cells, maybe not the first time, but then the next time you're going to an exam, you build on top of the experience from the first exam. So if it it didn't went very well or you were very nervous, you can remember that exams are dangerous and you get even more nervous, anxious the next time. Right. So taking this in uh, and starting to examine this, you can sort of um, again use the symptoms as a, a dashboard and dig into this because it's probably a body memory, a small experience of something that didn't go your way. And you can dig into this, this sensation. And then um, it's a lot of people can, when we talk around the symptoms, the pain in the stomach, um, the sensation in the head, uh, in the jaw, whatever, then they can remember a, a time where this part of your body was activated from for some reason. And then you have your subject. What was going on? You were angry. Uh, your sister took your toy. You got angry. And then your father came and yelled at you and say, never, ever do that again. And then you um, got fearful and, and made a decision that I'll never, ever uh, be angry again because I'll harm myself in that way. So... Um, back to the blocks where I'm not an expert, but these blocks can help you to find areas where there might be a body memory. Mm -hmm. So when you are having a small pressure somewhere on your body via a block, uh, then you can, and you take deep breaths, you can maybe do the same that you remember an, an, an old memory that was not so good and you can breathe through that right. and calm down whatever emotion you right. have in regard to that. Yeah, I, it's just curious or I'm curious about <clears throat> whether it's releasing, whether that pressure is releasing something, so to speak, like a toxin or something along those lines, or if it's just the tension itself that is sort of tied to an emotion or a thought or a memory, that somehow that that pressure I helps. I think it. the pressure helps you to focus on a certain area. Mm -hmm. And if you have a body memory there or close to you there, it's easier brings up your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But well, that's my version and I'm not an expert, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can say uh, that's what I help. I help people to focus on an area in their body that, that, uh, where there is some sort of symptom. Yeah. So I help them focus there and we talk about it, and I think you can sort of do the same with a block. Sure, sure. 
What else about your system or treatment would you want to share with people? Are there other sort of insights that you've gained along the way that would help people? And I'm thinking specifically, I should caveat this, about folks that I interact with, veterans and people that are dealing with conditions that I guess we think of as mental. And I agree with you that there is no real separation of mind and body. It's not like they're two distinct entities. There's They're interconnected. And so you can't do that. But whether that's PTSD or anxiety or depression, um, things like that, anything else, insights that you've garnered along the way with what you do that would be helpful for folks dealing with those issues? I think that if you have PTSD, because I've worked with a a war veteran as well, and um, if you think of all the chronic diseases as a cousin to PTSD, it might be easier to understand because it's all these traumas, all these body memories that sum up in some way. So if it's too much, you either get PTSD and mental illness or what we today call a physical illness. But it's sort of the same. It's more a matter of who you are. Do you speak up up about your problems or do you shut your problems down and just say to the doctor, see, I've got a tremor, do something. Yeah, right, right. If you go to the doctor and say, oh, I have a terrible divorce and everything is bad, the doctor might think, okay, she is stressed. Let me guide her to a, a psychologist and see what this is all about. Now we're talking in the bigger picture uh, for people to understand that. So a a war veteran know that before the war he was okay, and after the war he was not okay. So he know that a lot of things happened there, and it pushed him out in fight, fright, and freeze to a degree that he get all these symptoms. Right. Right. A person with Parkinson or other chronic diseases have a whole life where small and big things sum up. So they can they cannot pinpoint exactly. But trust me, a lot of people with Parkinson's disease has had a pretty hard childhood in some way. Mm-hmm. Or a very stressful job or both. So it just become like wrinkles, it become visible. Right, right. Yeah. So, but I, but, but I, I think what you're saying, which is a lot of what I say too, is we, we, with all of these things, the narrative a lot of times tends to be, you've got a condition that you need, you need some treatment for. You, you're helpless. It's not to say treatment's bad, because obviously what you're doing is, is in a form of treatment, but it's an education kind of. Whereas... I think a lot of times what we're told is you're you're helpless. You are powerless against this condition, this affliction that you're suffering from. And I don't just don't think that's true. I think we have a whole lot of 
power to overcome these conditions on our own. But again, right now, we have a healthcare system that where your general GP, your family doctor decides if you go to the mental side or the physical yes, side. Yes, right. Yes. And in yeah. the mental side, there one group of pills and the physical, there's yep. and some other pills. And number one, again, glue it together because you have double up in all op- options and trust that we can become better by doing stress reduction in so many ways. Yep. Yep. I think that's it right there. That That's great. Uh, the, the thing you're talking about of like, okay, depending on what you tell me, I'm going to send you this way or I'm going to send you this way, I think is so right on the money and so, and needs to be changed <clears throat> and thought and about needs, in a holistic and it's sort way. Of a, you know, in year 1600, we believed in the four humorous with bloodletting. It was science. It was doctors. It's a little naive to think that we have found all the golden nuggets now. No. Science will find out more and more things. So now there will come uh, maybe the next 10 years or more where it's devices and apps and maybe even artificial intelligence. And then after that, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, then they find out, okay, it was a myth. There is not such thing as mental and physical health. It's We are whole humans we have one body and it's that's uh, where so we we that's the missing link here yeah, yeah we need yeah. to glue them together and we need to have the hope and the trust that of course you can do so many things yep to well, become better you, you are speaking my language <laughs> um, and there's so many people <clears throat> alternative healers and therapists that sort of are building on this knowledge because it works. Yeah, right. Is yeah. it easy to to uh, resolve 50 years of trauma and stress? No, it takes a long time, but right. the journey towards better health is also worth it. Yeah, well, and I think it begins with, to your point, it begins with some hope and some empowerment. I just think that that's a huge piece that we we don't do by and large with people these days. We tell them essentially there's no hope and that they're doomed uh, and that they're <clears throat> victims. And it's just a terrible message that we need to really turn around. That's the biggest thing you and I can do is to tear these old myths apart. Yep. There's so yeah. many things they can do. Anything else do you want to share with folks? I want to be mindful of your time. And I know it's later over there, certainly than it is here. <laughs> The shadows are getting longer here. Yes. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, we have these courses, online courses you can onboard in. Um, we have Facebook group. It's easy to get access to us with questions because there's not a lot of people until now that believe in that, especially not with in regard to chronic and uh, diseases and Parkinson and these things. So uh, it's easy to uh, get an answer for us in our uh, different groups. 
and we have our online courses so you can kickstart this knowledge. And of course, if there's anybody around um, that want one-to-one therapy with me, we'll, I'm of course open to that. Um, it's depending on who are you. Are you one that wants to do it yourself or do you want to do it a little faster? Um, and get a kickstart. We are all different, and it, it's to be open from for this variety. There's no such things as that uh, as one cure or one um, therapy form. It's to try out things, open the box, and um, yeah, that's one thing. I think maybe you can put a link. I've been looking into um, videos around First World War, and hmm. there are several with uh, war veterans that get what at that time we call it shell shock. Shell shock, yep. And what does it look like? It looks, looks like, like Parkinson's. Yep. It looks like Parkinson. Yep. So it is Parkinson, but it's younger people. So they easier get rid of the physical uh, yeah. problems, but it's the same. Yeah. Parkinson no, I, is a sort of PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those videos. And if people can just kind of Google them or go onto YouTube and you uh, put in whatever it is, something like that, shell shock, World War One, And there are some, to your point, incredible videos where you watch what these people look like, the amount of physical shaking that they're doing and inability and exactly what you're saying. It's a, it's a nervous system response based on a stressor. It's not quote unquote physical really. Um, and it's interesting, the evolution, I actually heard George Carlin talk about this, but the evolution of even that term, it went from shell shock to battlefield fatigue to, uh, there was another term that came out about it and now it's PTSD, but it's, basically all the same thing. And it, again, it just comes down to an overtaxed stress response. And um, I can, I can say one more thing because I'm also this biologist, this scientist. So I'm very curious around this. So I started with uh, these four um, chronic diseases and today there was a guy that uh, got hold on me because he has lost, lost some of his eyesight and the doctors couldn't find anything wrong yep. and um, I made a small test with him and it shows up that due to all the chaos the last three years he was very stressed around what's going on with the pandemic and so on. And um, and we just made a, a test half an hour. But I could, again, improve his eyesight doing these techniques, or he did it himself. He relaxed himself while I was helping him. Just one tense, uh, we measured with a ruler, how much he could see before and after, but he, his eyesight got one tenth better by uh, reducing stress for half yep. an hour. Yeah, and uh, then time will show. Can he keep it down? How many sessions does he need in order to be more relaxed? But I'm pretty sure that he'll 
come back and uh, ask for more sessions. And in this regard, I will say if there's a new type of disease that I haven't worked with, I'm more than happy to give a person um, a free session so we can see if if um, that diagnosis is is stress related or not. Yeah, <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's very interesting because, and we must break the myth not only for Parkinson but for most of the other uh, diagnoses. And again, if it's your symptoms go up and down, it's probably stress related. Yep, yep. And I, look, I can attest to the the vision stuff. I've had some of that. Not not bad, but vision where my vision has gotten blurry for a period of time or blurrier, I should say. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and was, hearing as well, tinnitus, tinnitus, however you say that word. Um, yeah. All of those types of things. It's so fascinating. Um, okay. So is it, uh, sorry, the website is what, what hope shortcut, the hope shortcut. What is it? Yeah. Hope shortcut. Okay. Com. Um, and that's, I have newsletters. I have these sub stacks. Yep. Yep. Post and well. a YouTube channel, um, but I don't have a lot of stack, uh, staff, so it's low key. <laughs> it's okay. I understand that struggle. Uh, and I should have asked you at the beginning, how do you, it's Lillian, but I don't know, how do you pronounce your last name? Schuper. Okay. Schuper. Um, yes. That's as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> but you can search me. I think OE will work. So, um, Yes. Then, so I think I'm the only one in world in the world with exact that name. So oh, okay. <laughs> well, lucky you. That's that's great. I am but, not the only Chris Irwin out there for sure. Um, okay. Well, look, it's great talking to you, and I appreciate you taking the time, especially late in the day for you, late in the evening, I should say. But um, yeah, thanks for doing this with me, and um, good luck with everything. I hope hopefully we'll get some more people to come check out what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think it's moving things in the right direction. Yeah, maybe there are more talks with you and me. I think there was some boxes we didn't open. Sure, sure. We'll save those for next time. Yes. Okay, well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. 